So as we get ready to read our scripture passages today, we pause to pray for illumination, that God, our light, would make God's way clear to us. Let's pray. God, our light, you shine brightly even in the darkness that is the world. We ask that today by your spirit, your words would be light to us that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, that we might know after hearing your word how you desire us to live. We pray that by your spirit you would guide us in your way. We pray this in your name. Amen. The first reading is Psalm 130, Waiting for Divine Redemption, a Song of Ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 2. Hear this word of the Lord. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O come, house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let us pray. O Lord, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus our only concern. Speak to us today by your spirit, and the words that we reflect on and the words that we do not say. May your spirit be guiding us into all truth. Amen. This Sunday is our second Sunday in our outreach sermon series. Last Sunday, I gave you a a full synopsis of why we are doing an outreach sermon series. And if you want to hear more, I encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon on the church website. The short version is this, if you missed it. Linwood received a grant to do outreach, which sparked this whole journey on what is our philosophy of outreach as a congregation. A special task force was created to define outreach for us, and you can read that in your bulletin. I'm actually going to read it for you now. Uh, Just before I do, a quick shout-out to some of the special task force members that I see here, to Andy and Kathy and Walt. I think I saw Sandy, too, but I'm not sure. Oh, there she is. Thank you for your hard work. Hear this this vision of what outreach looks like. Oh, and, and Ashley. I forgot Ashley up there. Here we go. We are called to be the hands and feet of Christ and sow seeds with words and actions that point to Jesus by going beyond our doors into the community to learn about our neighbors with compassion, know them with respect, and humbly embrace them for who they are. We accomplish this by using our specific talents and resources to work with our neighbors to address the community's needs. One of the things that the outreach task force mentioned in their work is that they would really love for you, the congregation, to engage and learn about this vision of outreach. Therefore, we decided to do this sermon series. Last Sunday, we read Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. In that passage, we heard about the example of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He came and lived among those he ministered to. We learned that the theological word for this is incarnation. And not only did Jesus leave the halls of heaven to come and live among us, he lived among us with humility. Therefore, if we want to participate in ministry like Jesus... Our ministry of outreach should move outside our church walls to everyday living spaces. In other words, we should live incarnationally like Jesus. And secondly, if we are to participate in ministry like Jesus, we should minister with his humility. So that was last Sunday, a little recap. This Sunday, we are looking at the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Pastor Garrett, when we were thinking about what, what uh, scripture passages to use, wanted to make sure we include an Old Testament passage in our sermon series, which is really wise of him. And we chose this passage from Isaiah 2 because it gives us a vision of what God desires for the world. Our passage begins, 
with the prophet Isaiah having a vision of what the world will look like when God restores the world to God's intention. This is really significant because it contrasts the muck of the world that Isaiah was currently living in. Isaiah's current reality was that people were turning away from God. They were not caring for the poor and oppressed in their midst. And the nation is located in a swamp of political uproar and threat from opposing world powers. To be truthful, it sounds a little like our world today. It's in this murky, icky place that Isaiah receives this contrasting, beautiful vision from God. It's a bright, shining, beautiful, and glorious image of God that outshines the darkness and evil of the world that Isaiah is living in. Here again, from the book of Isaiah, what God's vision for the world looks like. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This vision that Isaiah sees is a vision of what God desires for the world. Even further than that, it is a vision of God's perfect plan for the world at the end of time. The vision reveals God's work and also how the people of the world are going to participate in it. The passage begins with a reference to the mountain of the Lord's house. Now you may be asking, what or where is this? Now if you remember your biblical history, if you don't, don't worry, I'm going to help you through it. The people of Israel were for a long time without a place to worship. They were brought out of slavery in Egypt and wandered the desert for 40 years. During this time they had a tent for a temple, they called it a tabernacle and they would take it down and set it up as they moved from place to place. Eventually, when the Israelites settled in the biblical state of Israel, God gave one of their kings instruction to build a temple there. Jerusalem was a city where the temple was built, and it's a city on a hill or a small mountain. So when Isaiah is talking about the mountain of the Lord's house, He's referring to God's temple on the Mount of Jerusalem. Now, when the vision refers to the mountain of the Lord's house, 
I believe this passage is talking more about the significance of the presence of God rather than the specificity of Jerusalem as a location. In other words, the place of God's tangible presence in the world will be established as the highest or the grandest place in the world, and all the nations will stream to this place. Notice that the vision, uh, the vision refers to all the nations streaming to this place of God's presence, and not just the biblical nation of Israel. This is significant because we see in the first few sentences of the vision that the mission or the vision of God begins with God drawing all people, all people to God's self. God's mission is that God gathers all people to God's presence. This vision is so significant to our theology and practice of outreach. It's important to keep in mind for two reasons. First, we see that the heart of God is to gather all people and to reach out to all people and draw them in. Second, we are reminded that this work of outreach is not primarily ours, but first, it's God's. We are participants among those whom God has gathered to God's self. And we cannot reach out to others without first being drawn in by God and learning from God. In the vision, once all the people have been gathered, God teaches the people God's ways and how to walk, how to live out God's ways. God gathers and God teaches. It's only then that God moves outwards towards the world. The vision continues. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So the movement is, God gathers, God teaches, and then God's word goes out to the world. When I think of this movement and how we ourselves must be gathered by God to learn from God before going out, I think of the story of Mary and Martha and Luke 10. There were two sisters who welcomed Jesus into their home. One sister, Martha, was so busy with all of the work of hosting Jesus that she didn't take the time to be with Jesus. Mary, on the other hand, sat silently at Jesus' feet and listened to his teaching. Now Martha, the busy one, was hurt that her sister was not helping her in the preparations and went to Jesus to complain and instruct that Mary would help her. But Jesus replied, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, but there is only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. What I see from this passage of Mary and Martha is that the work or the busyness of ministry is good. It's good and faithful in our work and something that we have to be participating in. 
Yes, we must at times be Martha's, catering to the will of Jesus in the world. But unless we live also like Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet and learning from his teachings, we cannot have the vision, the stamina, or the encouragement to participate in this work of ministry that God calls us to. The vision from Isaiah begins with the people being gathered by God. We ourselves, before we begin our work of outreach, must first allow ourselves to be gathered by God and to learn from God's ways. We must be Marys who sit at Jesus' feet, basking in the presence of Jesus and learning from him before we move outward to do Jesus' work. How or where might God be gathering you into God's presence to sit and to learn from God? Where might be the quiet places that are invitations to sit at Jesus' feet. Remember that those places are the starting point for outreach. Those places are where we hear God's voice and are enabled to move in God's way. I'd like to challenge you this week to create space and I use that word intentionally, create space, where you can listen to God and see how God is gathering you to God's self. You might be wondering what that looks like. Maybe it's setting aside five minutes of your lunch break or five minutes before you get out of bed in the morning to be silent or to pray. Maybe it's going for a walk and praying. Maybe it's taking the time to talk with a friend about how you're experiencing God in your life. I never like to give sermons with instruction without committing to things myself. So just so you know, I'm going to try to walk Linwood's prayer labyrinth every day at lunchtime. So, so far in the vision, we see that God gathers, God teaches, and then the word of God goes out to the world. All of these actions are of God's design and willingness. And for the last part of the vision from Isaiah, we see the vision changes to include the active participation of God's people. Hear again these words from Isaiah. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. It's my guess that many of you have heard this passage before, and it's powerful imagery. It's a really powerful vision. Tools of destruction, war, death, being transformed with intention to tools that bring the opposite, that bring life and peace. The imagery is so strong that even non-Christian institutions have intercepted the vision. If any of you have been to the offices of the UN in New York City, you may have seen a statue on their campus of a gun barrel being twisted and tied into a knot so that it can't shoot anymore. (laughs) 
The message in Isaiah is clear. God's vision for the world is not destruction and death. It is life and peace. The transformed tools hold symbolism. The plowshare will bring life and vitality to the people of God as they live and share in God's way. And the pruning hook is also a gardening tool that brings life. However, it also shows that sometimes pieces of our work must be pruned or cut away so that we can focus on what is important. Shane Claiborne and Michael Martin are Christian activists and writers. In their recent book, Beating Guns, Hope for People Who Are Weary of Violence, they talk about their journey of traveling in the country where they are preaching with symbolic action, beating guns into garden tools. I have a friend who is a pastor in Michigan, and he went with his youth group to one of their events. There, the youth took turns beating a gun into a gardening tool. The work was a joint effort and took a significant amount of time. One thing that strikes me about this image from Isaiah 2 is not only that the vision moves from death to life, but also that the people participate in the transformation process. It takes sweat, work, and intention to transform a spear into a pruning hook. It is not a process that can be done with a snap of the fingers. When we participate in God's kingdom work of moving from violence to peace, it takes work, intention, time, and even sweat. This is the work that God is calling us to. Where may God be asking you or calling you to lay down your tools of violence and pick up tools of peace? Where are the places in your life that you live with more violence than peace? Perhaps it's in the judgmental words of act or action or control that leads to your gain and not the care of others. How might you lie down these ways in God's care? Second, where might God be calling you to participate in the ways of giving life in the world? How can you live in ways that builds others up rather than tears others down? Think of how you might participate in this intentional peacemaking work this week. I encourage you to offer these ideas to God in prayer and ask that God strengthens you in this work of peacemaking. The vision from Isaiah ends with a charge. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Outreach begins with the vision of God, and it ends with the charge to walk in this vision. Come, O church of Linwood, let us walk in the vision of the Lord. Let us be gathered by God each Sunday to worship and daily in our personal lives that we may learn from God. Let God's word move out from us into our community. And as we go, 
May we embark on the hard, time-consuming work of being people of peace. With the help of God, may we turn from violence and destruction to living lives of peace and life. And may we also create this space for our neighbors. Oh, come, Linwood Reformed Church. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. O oh Lord our God, your vision for the world is one that we want to walk in. We pray that you would transform us daily, would gather us to yourself daily, that we might learn from you and then go out to the world, being peacemakers in our communities and our homes. May your spirit be working before us at all times, proclaiming the word to all people and helping all people live in life and peace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.